Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. I'm Anna. And today we're talking about Clovis, Rush Clovis, coming back into our lives. How does it start? The name's Clovis, Rush Clovis. Banker. All right, we're deep into the underbelly of season six. We're covering episodes five, six, and seven, an old friend, the rise of Clovis, and crisis at the heart. So the fortune cookie of an old friend, to love is to trust, to trust is to believe. Please know that Anakin Skywalker does none of these things in this episode. Okay. <laughs> Just call him out like that. He deserves it. I'm going to read him to the room. Okay. The Clone Wars are marching on. Padme is continuing her job as a senator. This is a Padme arc, if you did not know. When she is not doing shenanigans like representing Padawans in a court of law, she is doing things like the plot of this arc. So the banking clan for the galaxy has moved all of their operations to a neutral planet called Scipio Mm -hmm. and has to remain neutral or else all the money in all the galaxy is in jeopardy. So Padme lands on Scipio to secure a loan for the Republic it's just her and her faithful handmaiden, Tekla, who we remember from the last Padme arc funding the war. Because she's very poor. All is not well. Padme is being followed by Embo and Embdog, our mm-hmm. favorite bounty hunting dream team. Who sends in an Emdroid to follow them. Exactly. When Padme gets into the banking clan's council chambers to ask for the loan, they tell her that she needs to meet with their special representative, who is her ex-boyfriend, Rush Clovis. Who also got ran out of the Republic on a rail. Yeah, two old friends negotiating galactic policy. I thought Rush Clovis was discredited back in season two when he was financing the Geonosian droid factory. But the banking clan neglected to fire him, so he is still doing business. Golden parachute, baby. Padme says she wants a new negotiator. She storms out. But Clovis sneaks up to her apartment and tells her something really spicy. The banking clan is bankrupt, Mm -hmm. and Clovis wants access to their special vault to find the evidence so he can prove it. Prove that there's corruption, blah, blah, blah. It's tempting for Padme because she could expose corruption and war profiteering. So she and Clovis team up. She's a little reluctant, but they concoct a plan to get into the vault. It actually goes off almost without a hitch. Padme gets the files. She gets out. It's all thanks to Tekla, who is the one who sneaks off to shut off the security system. But Embo is stationed in a tower, snipes her, and she dies. Back in Padme's rooms, they load up the files. Clovis was totally right. The banking clan is somehow completely bankrupt. Someone has been siphoning money out of these important accounts and sending them all over the galaxy in very small amounts. Mm-hmm. The Mune police march in and arrest her, but she slips the thumb drive to Clovis before they march her away. Anakin and R2 land on Scipio. They get her out, but Anakin loses his mind when Padme tells him that she has been teaming up with Clovis. Yeah. He is pissed that they have to go to Clovis's house to get the files. I should mention Clovis has this really gorgeous après ski cabin in the Swiss it's Alps. It's a space chalet. It's a space chalet. It is actually very sexy. Mm-hmm. It does look a little incriminating for Padme. Right as they grab Clovis out of his cabin, Embo shows up and trains his bowcaster on Padme. And they all leap onto a speeder, but he shoots it down, and they go snowmobiling down the mountain. Embo flings his hat down and snowboards after them. It's a, one of the coolest chase scenes in He's all of Clone Wars. dropping icicles on their head. His dog is running after them. It is purely delightful. And they go shooting off a cliff into thin air. It is looking very bad, but R2 flies the twilight underneath them. He catches them on the wings. Amazing. And I was like, yay, they all got away. But Embo calls Darth Sidious, who tells him, good job. Your mission was a success. I'm going to deal with them myself now. Yeah. And so it is not a happily ever after for our... Ski friends. 
What happens in The Rise of Clovis? The Rise of Clovis, episode six, jealousy is the path to chaos. Yes, Anakin, take <laughs> notes. So the banking client is already in chaos and they call this guy Nick's card, who is their inside moon. He's the one who's been talking to Palpatine the whole time, letting him know what's going on. I should say the moons are the the banking clan people. They are. They have extremely tall, narrow faces. They have very Picasso faces. Yeah. Take uh, that Take that with all of the implications that you hear. <laughs> uh, so meanwhile, on Coruscant, which is absolutely gorgeous in this arc, it is amazingly beautiful. beautiful. Arc. It looks like a movie. Uh, They meet up with Yoda, and Yoda says, Palpatine sent me specifically to meet with Clovis, because now Anakin, Clovis, and Padme are getting off the ship. And they all go to Chancellor Palpatine's chambers. Everyone's pretty grouchy at Clovis, but Palpatine eventually asserts control and says, Padme, you are the one who did the legwork on this. I'm putting you in charge. Please work closely with Clovis. Anakin is extremely grouchy about this and demands as her husband that she says no. And she's like, I can't say no to the chancellor. I mean, can you say no to the chancellor? Why don't you Ooh, go say no to the chancellor for me? Take that, Anakin. Yeah. Meanwhile, on Sereno, a phone call, Dooku is sitting there meditating and Palpatine calls him and says, Dooku, I need you to recruit Clovis again. We're going to help him take over the banking clan, but first we're going to entrap him so he has no one else to turn to. Kenobi goes to Anakin and says, so I sense you're clouded about Clovis. You knew my friend Satine, right? It's natural. I understand to a degree what's going on. But you need to be chill. And Anakin's like, of course I'm chill. I'm perfectly chill. There's no problems here. And Kenobi's like, well, then if there's no problems, there's no problems, right? Then your judgment isn't clouded. Yeah. Anakin is in his quarters, which apparently is full of droid parts. And he's like relentlessly, angrily taking them apart. I know. He's got a little boy room with just little tinker projects everywhere. So... Clovis and Padme get back from the opera and yeah, start working. They had a hot, sexy date, apparently, and then a cozy dinner at her house. And Clovis shows all the data in like two seconds, which shows that there's been a bunch of money being siphoned away. The separatists aren't paying their interest on their loans, which means that the bank is functionally insolvent. And then they talk about his background, and he was raised by the Moons as a Moons, Moons, Moons. Two use, difficult to pronounce. And uh, that's why he, and he like believes in the integrity of banking. However, he's also very handsy, swoops in for a non-consensual kiss, at which point the door opens and Anakin walks in. And Padme's saying no the whole time. It is very clearly non-consensual. Anakin swoops in, choke slams using the force, Clovis into a wall. Beats him like a rented mule. Oh my god! Smashes him through a table. Gives him the good old mechanical right hook. Yeah, and I mean, like at first Anakin pulls out his lightsaber and Clovis is like, why don't you fight me like a man without your Jedi tricks? And Anakin's like, fine. Whatever. <laughs> I've beat up so many people. You have no <laughs> idea. You have no idea how many people I've beat up. He literally almost kills Clovis he before he catches to. himself. He, because he, he's got Clovis up against the ground like a schoolyard bully, and he's about to give him his mechanical arm through Clovis's skull when he does pause because Padme's like, no, stop, the whole time. Uh, Captain Typho walks in and Clovis is like, I guess there were some attackers and Skywalker saved me. And Typho's like, is that what happened? And Anakin's like, if that's what he says happened, that's what happened. Clearly used to walking in on domestic abuse situations. And then while Clovis is getting worked on by a med droid, Padme and Anakin have the most serious conversation of their marriage where she says, this marriage is not a marriage if there's any trust. Mm. And he says, what is it that you were saying? The other people who are married have everything we don't, everything we won't. Our relationship is built on lies and deception. No relationship can survive that. Well, the most important thing is she says, I'm not happy anymore mm-hmm. and I don't feel safe. And she does not want to see Anakin for a while. Yep. And he is very sad and gets in his car and flies off. Meanwhile, in the other room, Clovis gets the the med droid is like, hey, what's up? 
Uh, it's me, your Medroid. I work for Dooku. <laughs> Please accept this call. Dooku <laughs> says, hey, bud. Hey, Clovis. How's it going? Um, I want the banks to not fail. So how about I put you in charge of the banks? I'll give you the information you need to actually prove what's going on here. In fact, it's already on this little thing. And the separatists will start paying the banks back. So everything will be great. And we'll be friends, right? And we cut a few days or whatever forward to find that the banking clan, the Council of Five has been deposed, and Clovis now has the chancellor's wherewithal to become the leader of the banking clan. And he gives good speeches, gets the support of everyone. Dooku throws his support behind him, Palpatine. He gets the votes from everyone but Bail Organa. People are very happy with this. The Senate is rabble-rousing. And as they're walking away, Palpatine and Anakin are talking. And Palpatine's like, yeah, you know, keep your eye on him. I think that this is all going to work out. Dun, dun, dun. And then we cut to crisis at the hearts. Mm-hmm. Deceit is the weapon of greed. Padme and Clovis land back on Scipio. They need to finalize the transfer of leadership of the mm-hmm. banking clan to Clovis. The transfer of power happens. The big five of the Mune government are arrested for embezzlement. Everyone applauds. Clovis is the new leader, and he gets about two minutes to sit at his desk and enjoy the sweeping vista of the mountains, and then Dooku calls and finishes snaring him in the trap. Mm -hmm. Clovis is determined to keep the banks neutral. He actually was being honest about that. But Dooku says, okay, fine, whatever. Then the separatists are going to be unable to repay the interest on our loans, And if you want to keep the banking clan from collapsing, you're going to have to raise interest on the Republic. Yeah. This is is the extent of the economic theory that I feel comfortable translating for you at this juncture. Perhaps we will talk more about it later. (laughs) But importantly, Clovis sees that he has no choice. And in the very next scene, we see him drop the hammer on Mm -hmm. the Republic. He raises the interest on all of their future loans. The Senate goes wild. Yeah, they are rabble-rousing. They're calling him a traitor. They're saying he's a tool of the separatist. And then we cut to Dooku putting the next phase of the plan into motion, cementing their beliefs that Clovis is a tool of the separatists. Mm -hmm. He launches an assault on the Republic cruiser and all of the clones that were hanging out on Scipio with Padme. It is totally brutal. They take out the whole battalion. Dooku flies up in his solar sailor, and he drags Padme into Clovis's office, and he puts on a little show for her. He thanks Clovis for delivering the banks to the separatists. He says, gone are our debts, and gone is any credit for the Republic. And he forces Padme to murder the leader of the Separatists. He does. She grabs a battle droid's blaster, and he uses the force to point it at the senator, Mm -hmm. the big brain senator who's there. It looks really bad. Padme buys it. She accuses Clovis of pretending to be led by idealism and having this heart-to-heart with her when really he was just a puppet of the Separatists. And when we cut to the Senate, They have also bought it hook, line, and sinker. There is to be war on Scipio. Mm -hmm. Palpatine leads the Senate to vote to secure the banks at any cost with a mission led by General Anakin Skywalker. Because he's great at this kind of thing. And then Sidious calls Dooku cackling because thanks to the Republic moving in to re-secure the banks – The banking clan is going to go under control of the Supreme Chancellor. Mm -hmm. Crossed and double-crossed, tricked and double-tricked. And Dooku is like, yep, that's my cue to exit. So he takes his invasion fleet and bounces right as Anakin shows up. Yeah, all the separatist ships blow straight by and disappear right as the Republic Armada gets there. Anakin blazes into Clovis's office to rescue Padme. But as Clovis is holding a gun to Padme's head as a human shield situation, a hyena droid crashes into the office. They all go skating out into empty space. Anakin grabs hold of Clovis with one arm, Padme with the other. Mm -hmm. He can't pull them both to safety. And Clovis sees his way out. He lets go of Anakin's hand. 
He goes tumbling to his death. And then back in the Senate, the banking clan pins everything on Clovis. They hand the banks over to Palpatine, just as he foresaw. And we close on this really freaky cheer from the Senate. Long live the banks. Long Long live live the banks. And we close on Padme's deeply unsettled face. And that is the Clovis arc. Yeah. Thank you for sitting through 15 minutes of Economics 101 with Sam and Anna <laughs> from Growing Up Skywalker. Oh, I got so much more than that. Okay, where do you want to start? I want to actually, I said that, I have one thing I want to say first. Well, then you get to start. We get a name for Embo's dog in the first episode. Yeah. Merrock. Yeah. And he is the goodest of boys. He's M-Dog. This has been your pup date. Okay, please continue with the economic theory. <laughs> so the background of this episode, all of season six was released simultaneously in 2014. It had been released in February of 2014 in Germany, but was released in the US on Netflix and I believe March of yeah. 2014. So I decided to say, hey, I remember what 2000. 13 was like 2014 what was going on in the world that would make the star wars crew want to put together something about bank deregulation oh yeah so i graduated college in 2009 my mineral economics professor actually had to leave class on sabbatical during the 2008 financial crisis to help the lehman brothers liquidate their mineral holdings. That is so wild. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is a fun class. We'd like haul around a chunk of chromium and he like chromium ore. He's like, yeah, that's worth 600 bucks. I'm like, what this rock, but the breakdown, the deregulation of the banks, which is what the previous arc that was in this theme was, was about deregulating the banks. Yeah. The last big Padme arc we had was the funding the war arc in season three. And it's kind of a, a direct sibling, like Mm -hmm. a, a descendant of that arc. Right. So what happened in Star Wars was they machinations ensued, the banks were deregulated. Then the banks were set up to fail because you had people holding the banks at gunpoint. I mean, the separatists were saying, we're not paying interest on our loans, so the bank will reach a state of insolvency. So they were propped up by lies. When their lies were called out, that was used to set up a fall guy to allow the banks to be uh, have control assumed over them. Now, in our timeline, in our world, what happened was in 1999, an act was passed to repeal bank regulations. And then eight years later, we had a banking crisis. And that banking crisis was a massive thing. Now, that started in 2007, but the repercussions were still being felt in 2013 with things like the Arab Spring, WikiLeaks, all these things were going on simultaneously. And those are the backdrop that this episode came out during. Mm. Chelsea Manning, Edward Snowden, WikiLeaks, Glass-Steagall, Frank Dodd, all of these things of all bank of this regulation. Deep, deep corruption surrounding and related to mm-hmm. financial deregulation. And the fact that the banks being too big to fail means that now they are a weapon as opposed to an instrument to be they're an impervious weapon to be wielded against people yeah 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 i appreciate hearing this from your perspective i also appreciate when the clone wars spells out the nefarious plan for me (laughs) when sidious calls dooku and is like Ahaha, and now the banks will go from separatist control to being under the Supreme Chancellor. Mm -hmm. I was like, thank you for that. Like, I needed those cliff notes. Yeah. So in the Star Wars universe, the banking clan has put together a banking system, which is held up for thousands of years. And it's a tricky thing. Apparently, it is based on an actual held reserve currency, some, some held reserve that they are out of. Now, what's interesting to me is the fact that the separatists were allowed to get away without paying the interest on their loans. And I wonder if that is a result of Rush Clovis's machinations or Palpatine's machinations or Dooku's machinations to like really take out more and more and more, or even just like them being the separatists being threatening. Yeah, I'm not a financial policy person, so I don't Mm -hmm. really know how this works in our real world. 
but it seems like the banks must have some kind of tool to bludgeon even governments into paying back what they promised to pay in their interest. Well, so that is actually why having one bank as a single point of failure is the problem. Mm. So when you have a bunch of banks, then you have a rating system. Right. So you have your credit rating systems. The various countries will have their credit rating systems, which go from triple A to I think triple C, like at the end. And that's the bottom. So when you have like a triple rate creating credits rating system, that means you can take out loans with very long repayment times at very good rates. And when you have a lower credit rating, you don't do nearly as well. So when you have just one bank, you're just beholden to them and that your credit rating is dependent on them. Mm. Now, in our in the current time of 2022, there's the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. And Russia is running into problems with funding the war because their credit rating has plummeted as a result mm. of sanctions. Mm -hmm. And no one's expecting them to be able to pay off, so they can't actually get any money to pay for things. Yeah, which is a problem unless you unveil your nefarious plan before your credit rating plummets, in which case you did what you needed to do. And in this scenario, this Star Wars scenario, because we have Dooku and Palpatine playing both sides, yes. they're able to machinate this perfectly. And now it doesn't matter. Well, the both sides actually does affect banks here and now as well. Like uh, Deutsche Bank has had a lot of problems with things coming to light that they have given people really good terms on loans when those people are extremely untrustworthy mm. for very large loans. And that has political ramifications because those people are politicians and then they happen to win their elections and do whatever they want. And now we're left with like, are you actually a billionaire or were you just given a billion dollars from a bank on the basis of nothing? God, you know what that reminds money. me of? Because I was thinking about – I was trying to figure out what I thought about the Clone Wars telling another economic story. Mm -hmm. And they packed it with enough action that it was super interesting. Yeah, it was a sled chase. There was a snowboard scene. It was fantastic. There was a dog. It was great. And you know what that reminds me of is actually the Anna Delvey story that totally took over the entire American and international populace in 2017 – when Anna Delvey girl bossed her way into almost getting a massive loan when she had absolutely no money, she was masquerading as a rich person. Oh, that the Netflix thing is about. And Shonda yeah. Rhimes just released her Netflix special on it. Fascinating viewing. It came from a really cool investigative journalism piece. But that totally reminds me of how you can girl boss gatekeep, gaslight your way into a very large sum of money for no good reason. Just that you are very convincing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm at, I mean, I'd imagine that Sith manipulators like Dooku and Palpatine can be extremely manipulative at a distance and very lightly touch things to move them in their direction, particularly because like the chancellor of the Republic is above reproach. That's the message that everyone keeps saying. Yeah. Especially him. Yeah. They seem to so conveniently... Or he seems to so conveniently slide right through any criticism, even when they're yelling at him in the Senate, you know, we can't trust Clovis. He's a traitor. He'll betray us again. And mm -hmm. Palpatine is like, I, I think we must trust him in this scenario. And then we zoom back to the Senate and they're like, we were right. We couldn't trust Clovis. And he sweeps them to their feet to get a standing ovation. Yeah, which is weird because it feels like that would be a black mark on his record instead of a successful machination. You know what deeply annoyed me is the number of times they cut to Senator Chuchi in this <laughs> arc being totally convinced by all of Palpatine's dog and pony show. Yes. She's like, yeah, I am going to vote for Clovis. You can, yeah. you can see her vote and she votes green. I know. For yes. Bail Organa votes red for no. Bail Organa almost got Baywatch just based on pure discernment. Was, out of everyone in the entire thing, he is, he's grouchy he was angry he was yelling and he did not actually commit assault yes <laughs> and he and typho are on my good books in this episode
So then there's the domestic front. Okay, we have so much to talk about. Watching, watching someone assert their authority in a relationship in that way is such a... It's a caricature of all the bad things in a relationship, but it's also the kind of thing that you see where people will, like someone will say, I demand as your husband, this, that, the other thing. And people go through with that. And at the end of the episode, Padme ended up back with Anakin. Okay, we have a lot to talk about on the domestic front. And I want to be very clear that I'm coming from a position of experience in Mm -hmm. this. So let's start with the conversation Padme has with Anakin about their marriage. Yeah. It is maybe the most emotionally complex conversation we've ever gotten in the Clone Wars. Absolutely. It's the most grown-up conversation we've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Padme says, we said at the beginning that this could be a terrible mistake. Yeah. And Anakin's like, I don't know. What are you saying? She says, other people who are married have everything we don't, Mm -hmm. everything we won't, Our relationship is built on lies and deception. No relationship can survive that. I don't know who's in there sometimes. I just know that I'm not happy anymore. I don't feel safe. Yeah. So what is really well done in that scene, what's beautiful and perfect, is that it portrays almost like a textbook the three phases of a violent relationship. There is a tension-building phase, there is a violent episode, Mm -hmm. and then there's remorse and a honeymoon, you know, rebuilding phase. Yeah. So the tension-building, obviously, is when things are getting more and more strained between Padme and Anakin as Mm -hmm. she keeps either throwing herself together with Clovis or being thrown together with Clovis. Yeah, and Clovis is not... Clovis perceives the situation as well. Clovis is not helpful. Padme is not helpful. Anakin is not helpful. But the important thing is that it ignites Anakin's jealousy and rage. And Clovis leans into the situation and Padme is caught in the middle. Because Clovis, during their fight, Clovis is taunting Anakin the whole time. He is. As if he wants Anakin to be in this emotionally endangered situation because he knows Padme won't find it attractive. Maybe. Yeah, that could have been what he was doing. I think once he got punched for the first time, he realized that was his only out was for Padme to stop the fight. Yes. So the the tension ratchets up. That's the tension building phase. Then the violent episode is when Anakin explodes Mm -hmm. and beats Clovis with a metal fist. And then after Padme rushes Clovis off to her bedroom to recuperate, he's really remorseful. And Padme isn't having it, right? She has finally realized Anakin is not a safe person. Cool. Great. But then, and this is the really beautiful and really well done part about this arc, Padme's life in the third episode is put into actual physical danger. Mm -hmm. And Anakin is the one who saves her. And then she thinks, God, I'm so stupid. I put myself into danger. And Anakin was the only one who could have kept me safe. Mm -hmm. How could I have ever considered leaving? So she becomes remorseful. He is remorseful. And then presumably they have this period of calm again where everything is sweet and good. And then the cycle begins again. Tensions start to rise. There will be another violent episode. Mm -hmm. This is a violent relationship. Yeah. Padme almost got out. And what infuriated me about this plot line is that she didn't because the plot retroactively made Anakin right. They did. And also, well, it wasn't retroactive. The whole thing was Palpatine maneuvering things. So Clovis did have good intentions. He did. Padme was right in thinking that Clovis really wanted to stop the corruption in the banking plan. And she was right. She was like, I'm not going to be fooled a second time. I'm right Mm -hmm. about him. And she was right. And then when Dooku and Palpatine put their plan into motion, she's no longer right. She was fooled. She still has all the information. And I find that so interesting. At the end, she is the only one who could have spoken up against the 
Palpatine and said there are inconsistencies in how this was executed. Yeah, absolutely. And she didn't. But in this context of her and Anakin's relationship, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that Anakin was proved right. Clovis was in some way dangerous and was planning something. And Padme looks like the foolish one who can't be trusted. So she feels guilty and ashamed, and she goes crawling back to this very violent person. There's another element of grayness that supports Anakin is that Clovis was swooping in for a non-consensual kiss. She was actively saying no. And so if... I walked in on someone who was getting swooped in on and they were saying no. I would start throwing blows too because that's the thing to do. That is like you cannot non-consensually kiss someone. That is not cool. But the fact that there are secrets and deceits and complications and one of them was in such a different power level than the other because Anakin can beat up anyone. Yeah. That is where it got messed up. It's so tricky because, yeah, Padme and Anakin's marriage is not clean cut. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. It is a violent partnership. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily what we think about when we think about a domestic violence situation. No. Because Anakin doesn't hit Padme. No. He emotionally abuses her in a lot of ways. But he never physically hits her. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we don't even consider that to be – a violent or abusive situation where like, okay, well, there's violent adjacent to pa- there's violence adjacent to Padme, but there's no violence against her physically. Even without actual violence or even a verbalized threat of violence, there's still an attitude of violence. Oh, y- yes. From, from an armchair psychology perspective, mm-hmm. so take this with a salt grinder. This is speculation. (laughs) I think Padme is experiencing what we would call narcissistic abuse, Mm. which hinges, it's really subtle. It's it's a form of emotional abuse. There, There are accusations, there's bullying, there's criticism, there's threats. It's designed to make one partner feel really guilty and afraid. And ultimately stay in the relationship because they're too afraid to leave because of the consequences. And then they are in some way manipulated into feeling guilty Mm -hmm. and like they were wrong to even consider leaving. Yeah, for sure. That is a clear example to me of the types of relationships that this is definitely based on because Mm -hmm. this is not an uncommon relationship at all. I read a quote recently about how churches, some churches won't counsel women to leave their husbands because then they might leave the church as well. Uh, Well, and also a lot of faiths are based on reconciliation and forgiveness. And so they say, well, if you're really serious about following our our religious doctrine, Mm -hmm. then you too would believe in forgiveness and reconciliation and you would go back to them and forgive Mm -hmm. them for what they've done. But forgiveness only makes sense in the context of someone, the wrongdoer, making it right. Forgiveness can also be one-sided. You can forgive someone for exposing you to violence, but you can do it from a safe distance, as in after you leave them, which is one thing I don't think this arc strayed into, which is the scene when Padme says to Anakin, I think we shouldn't see each other for a while. And Mm -hmm. he just says, and gets into his speeder. In the real world, this is absolutely the most dangerous time for someone in a violent partnership to oh, leave. Yeah. So the threat of violence goes up about 75% when one partner is trying to leave a violent partner and it stays elevated. The threat of violence against them from that person is 75% higher than normal for the next two years. Six. So really what Padme was doing in that moment was standing up for herself and being very courageous and setting a good boundary, it was also incredibly dangerous. Yeah. And neither of them have a functional support structure for this because they're both overextended in terms of their reputation. 
if Padme was revealed to be a you know hotshot senator in secret torrid love affair with Jedi General, <laughs> yeah, she would lose her job, and Anakin would lose being a Jedi. He would lose everything. We've totally we talked about mm-hmm. this. I think even in the funding the war arc, yeah, you know why did they stay together? And one of it is that maybe they both feel a little bit trapped. I think they really do. They want this thing. They want love. They want partnership. They want affection. Mm-hmm. But both of them are trapped by the circumstances, which is that they're lying to everybody. And it's a long lie. It is. Once you've been doing something like this for five years or three years, It looks so much worse to the people you want to explain it to because then they say, God, how many times did you lie to me? Yeah. There's another thing going on here, which is the influence of the force. Mm. So I've talked a few times about how Anakin is actually in his prime, the will of the force kind of personified, right? He's, he doesn't necessarily follow the Jedi code a hundred percent of the time, but he lives true to his interpretation of the force. When he does beat up Rush Clovis, he says, it's like someone else took over and I snapped. Mm. That is him giving into the dark side of the force, which is why Palpatine set up this whole situation. And I love that that's what Padme says. I don't know who's in there sometimes. Because when he is that, he is not Anakin. He is some future thing. I mean, he is the personification and the archetype of the balance of the force, right? Yeah. He's supposed to bring balance to the force and balance means equal parts light and dark. Or at least proportionate parts. Proportionate, yeah. yeah. And by suppressing one, he is making it stronger. It's like trying to uh, dam up two rivers simultaneously or two forks of a river. Oh, it's like when you're when you're watering the yard and you put your thumb over part yeah, of the hose. Exactly, it goes faster. Yeah, 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 and it squirts out so much harder. Sorry, yeah. I, I don't like the word squirt. Especially when you make that hand motion. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's that was filthy. <laughs> he he gains um he's he's giving his own dark side more power oh. by shying away from it and not being able to talk about it and living in this realm of deceit and lies. Yeah. Because Padme is honest 100% of the time, despite being accused of lies. And then at the end of it, she's been so gaslit. She doesn't know what's the truth and what's a lie. And so she doesn't come forward and call out Palpatine. Because similar to the last arc, when if people listen to fives, they'd know that Palpatine's bad. And now it's like, if people listen to, if Padme had been willing to talk, They would have known Palpatine's bad. Yeah. I think Padme was probably going through so much emotionally at the end of the third episode. And this is more, you know, armchair speculation. But the way that I read that marriage conversation between Anakin and Padme and the ensuing events, to me, if I saw my violent husband beat up this, I mean, hot D-bag financier Mm ex-boyfriend, right? Who we just had a great heart to heart and he's got great intentions. Went to the opera. We went to the opera. We had a really great dinner date. He did try to kiss me. He did try to kiss me. I wasn't into it, but I could be, right? Mm -hmm. Especially after my dangerous husband beats him within an inch of his life. The thing is that Padme continues to work with Clovis in the next episode. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if... A tiny part of her brain was saying, you know, if I ended things with Anakin, I could have a totally legitimate above-board relationship with Clovis. Just two senators centering together. Well, he's no longer a senator. He's totally discredited. But he is very powerful. And he does have a really great chalet. With great sledding, apparently. With a really sexy fireplace. (laughs) Sexy vibes all around. I can see that. I can also see her thinking just desperately reaching out for a way out totally and she perhaps sees in clovis that same kindred spirit of someone who's desperately looking for a way out and padme has shown herself to be someone who is extremely empathic towards people who are in the same plight as her that's why her and anakin got together is because of the danger they were both in danger simultaneously Mm. but now that she's looking for a way out 
perhaps she's more attracted to Clovis than ever before because he looks like the stable one and he looks like the principled one. He does. And also apparently he heals from getting punched in the face by a Jedi 60 times pretty quick. Those bruises just like whoop, a little bit of cover up, a little bit of ice back on it. But then Clovis dies and her escape route is gone. Yeah. So let's talk about their death because it is an exact mirror of when Ahsoka had to choose who to let live. Saw, oh, Stila and Lux. Oh, Mm -hmm. I noticed the Stila Guerrera vibes in the death scene. Mm -hmm. I forgot the other one that Ahsoka was holding. It was Lux. Yeah. (gasps) But in this case, and it's interesting because the reason Ahsoka failed, right, is because she got shot. She was going to be able to save both of them until that droid shot her in the back. She's also not a fully-fledged Jedi Knight. Her connection to the Force just might not be as disciplined as a fully-trained Jedi Knight. And now, I don't know how exactly the Force powers work in the Clone Wars. It seems like it moves at the speed of plot. But I feel like you could just... If I was the Jedi, if I was sitting there, Anakin, holding two people up with my arms, I would just dive Mm. and land... And catch them using the force. Wait, that's hilarious, actually. Like Even on the side of a mountain, I'd be like, we can make this work. Or lift them up or whatever. Anakin has never been too weak to do anything unless, unless his connection to the force is interrupted. So what's that speech that Yoda gives him before he takes off to lead the armada? Yoda says something like, You need to forget your selfish impulses or your mind will be too clouded to do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you're totally right. Yeah, because when Anakin is sitting there, one of them in each of his arms, he says, I can't hold both of you. You need to climb up. And Padme says, save him. About Clovis. Hmm. she thinks that Clovis's mission is more important than hers and she is willing to do anything to get out. Hmm. Also, she has been skipping arm day and can't climb up. Well, she's got little spaghetti noodle arms. I can relate. (laughs) She's busy. She's a pencil pusher. And she's wearing like a big dress. The Senate has so many emergency meetings that I highly doubt they have time to work out. That's fair. They are in that Senate chamber 11 out of 10 days of the week. Yeah, that's tough. It, it was an interesting death scene. And then Clovis, out of chivalry or out of wanting to escape even more or out of fear, let go. And in the novelization of this, it's unclear whether he let go or Anakin let go. Oh. think about Rush Clovis, this arc? Like Lux, he's someone who is on the periphery of the Republic, someone who's trying to do the right thing, and they're not aligned with the good guys. I have a hard spot in my heart for bankers, capitalists, <laughs> people who make money off of other people's labor. I thought you were going to say people who non-consensually kissed other people, but that's oh, actually <laughs> that's great. Absolutely that too. <laughs> um, I mean, that was just extremely gross and bad. It was less extremely gross and bad when this came out by about 2%. And as you go back 10 years, time after time, you get to the point where in the 1930s, that was, you know, comedic relief. You go back to Pepe Le Pew, the skunk, the Warner Brothers mm-hmm. skunk, and he's always non-consensually mm-hmm. people. And when mm-hmm. I was watching those as a kid, I was like, ha that's funny. Mm-hmm. Now it's not funny. Mm-hmm. That is whether or not it has ever been funny, not for me to decide, but culturally in the zeitgeist, it was funnier a while. The, the further back in time you go, the more funny it is. Yeah. And the more compelling thing about Rush Clovis to me is that he was actually a leaker. He was trying to be Edward Snowden or Chelsea Manning. He was trying to do the leaking of the information that the whole system was corrupt and then let himself get corrupted with the promise of power because they said, well, if you're so smart, why can't you do things right from the inside and set up to fail? So he's a very tragic hero. 
I think he was masterfully puppeted and mm-hmm. never got to live up to his full potential. I think he had some really good intentions. I also think he was counterbalanced with some real flaws. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's the red flags for me. Mm-hmm. You know, hot financier, ex-boyfriend, takes me back to his gorgeous chalet mm-hmm. in the Swiss Alps. To study some To seduce me in front of a roaring fireplace and Excel spreadsheets. And he also was playing a game as best as he knew because he is continually calling out Padme being like, you aren't allowed to date Jedi. It's not that Skywalker character, is it? Like, I know you're single. You're not wearing a ring or anything. I, I, You just dressed up and went to the opera with me and served me dinner. Yeah. And so, like, what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, he's not a dumb guy. No, because he also puts himself in the middle of the danger part of Padme and Anakin, where he says, if your relationship was exposed, he would be cast out of the Jedi Order. Yeah, he's not particularly empathetic about that either. Well, he wants to, you know, he wants to bang Padme from hell or high water. Yeah. So that is that is a real counterpoint to anything good that he did in this arc. But it did hurt my heart a little bit to see him staring out at this beautiful vista, envisioning how he was going to stop the corruption for this people that he loved, mm-hmm. for this really important institution. I really think he had some plans to do it. Yeah. And then turn around and there's Dooku just making a Muppet out of him. Well, the whole plan was set up. From the get-go to push Anakin closer to the dark side. I know. I wrote down at the top of my notes. I was like, in the middle of the second episode, I was like, was Palpatine's plan the whole time just to make Padme hang out with her ex-boyfriend and make Anakin mad? And then I was like, no, there was some financial stuff in there too. But mostly. Mostly, yeah. It was to trigger Anakin. Yeah. It was nice to be able to set it up such that he could control the banks, but that doesn't actually super help him because the strength of the banks is that they're the strength of the banks is their neutrality. Yeah. And so by making them completely non-neutral, he's bringing about an end of the war because now the separatists are stuck with only the money that they had siphoned off and the interest that they haven't paid in order to finish the war. So yeah, Palpatine's putting Palpatine's setting up for the end game. It is the neatest little square knot mm-hmm. I've ever seen. That's how he rolls. I mean, it is beyond impressive. It's just also it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the Clone Wars for you. Yeah. And he also gave an absolutely compelling speech at the end. He is very good at what he does. Much to the detriment of everybody. Yeah. Well, that's the power of the Sith when used for something besides combat. It makes you wonder what the power of the Jedi is when they're used for something besides combat. Ooh, good point. Mm -hmm. I want to see that world. Uh, Unfortunately, Palpatine broke it by starting a war that involved the Jedi. Tell me something good. That's a pretty dark note to end on. Oh, gosh. It's a Sunday. I don't know. Did you see Padme's Leia buns? Yeah. In this arc. Classic. They were great. Yeah. The sky on Scipio was the most beautiful shade of blue. Oh, my God. I made – I don't normally take notes for this. I just kind of internalize it. I made specific notes several times to how absolutely gorgeous this arc is on Scipio, on Sereno, on Coruscant. Every single planet, all of the unique ships that are flying everywhere – it's very cool. Unique also, faces, unique mm-hmm. costumes, gorgeous scenery. And when two Z95s are flying around as Anakin is in the top floor and they're about to get shot down by this vulture droid, they do a very cool World War II move where Hawk like pulls slow, loops to the side, gets behind the vulture droid that's about to shoot down one of his guys, shoots down. It was really cool. It was really cool. I love seeing actual like military tactics being used like that. 
And it was just like a two second thing of like, oh, here's the move that Richard Bong invented in World War II. It was a deeply terrifying invasion on Scipio. When oh, yeah. the Republic cruiser was coming in hot, I was like, oh, shiz. It looks I would so simply cool. pass away. <laughs> and, you know, Rex is landing. He's like, all right, I'll just hold the beachhead, I guess. Because Anakin's like, I'm going to run up and grab Brush Clovis. Like, cool. Like, do your thing. They're already leaving. We're fine here. Rex has been involved in so many battles. And I know. Hawk and all the rest of them. He just really yeah. takes it on the chin, too. Yeah. Anakin's like, hold off all these droids. I'm going for Padme. He's like, roger that. Well, Rex is like, this is definitely the most dangerous part of my day when I'm not stapled to Anakin's I know. Pants. <laughs> I felt bad for them. I was like, Anakin. Uh, you know, Dooku had already pulled out. And it's funny, the uh, the super tactical droid Dooku gets the call from Palpatine. It's like, it's time to leave. And the super tactical droid is like, but our forces are still on the planet. And Dooku's like, I literally. We're skedaddling. (laughs) Leave them. Dip. Yeah. This is a sunk cost. We have, we have fulfilled our mission. That was, it was a very cool battle. It's fun to watch Dooku in command. Dooku was exceptionally commanding in every scene. In this as well. This is a great character study for all of the characters involved. Yeah. The thing that I loved was how commanding Dooku was by himself and then yes. how subservient he was every time he talked to Sidious. Yeah. Where Sidious was like, we're putting our plan in motion. Go recruit Clovis. And Dooku is like, and how would you like me to do that, my lord? Mm-hmm. And waits for Sidious to spell out the plan for him. And I thought it was very cool to see him totally humble and abject before mm-hmm. the great Sith master. Thinking about that, of how every single character really had a lot of room to explore their motivations mm. and all of the scenes had enough time to develop naturally. Oh, it was a luxuriously paced arc. It was yeah. a thing of beauty. Because this morning I woke up and I was like, man, that arc could have fit into two episodes and then we wouldn't have to watch all three. But I realized the pacing was really spot on. I loved it. We got the space for so many great conversations and so many beautiful lingering shots. I think the animators were really showing off the new rigs that they were yeah. developing in seasons five and six, mm-hmm. where the the movements are so fluid and the shots were so interesting and the screenwriting was so good. I loved it. I mean, triple headers are are hard to plot for yeah. the podcast, but that doesn't mean I don't love watching them. And I think this one was masterful. Yeah, it's it has the quality of one of the more modern, more recent Star Wars movies, like the off off trilogy ones, like Solo or mm. Rogue One, where you have a fully fleshed out arc that goes on that is somewhat related to something else. It's not world changing one way or the other. It moves the plot along. But it had the pacing of a movie, and that was really a nice like the whole thing, despite the really difficult to talk about subject matter, because you know, recessions, depressions, leaking, and sexual assault and domestic violence are not fun to talk about, but it was a good flick. Yeah. Yeah. It was compelling. And it's like honestly pretty adult subject matter. You can see why Disney was like, yeah, we're done with the Clone Wars because <laughs> this isn't the kind of thing. Time for that, a tone change. Yeah. yeah. This is, they want something happier. And this is not by any stretch of the imagination a happy arc. The happiest part is when M Dog brings Embo's little uh, hat that he was using as a disc slide. Oh my God. And when he picks up the probe in his mouth and hands it to Embo, the best. It's a really smart dog. It is the best. He's the goodest of boys. (laughs) Good job, M-Dog. Good job, M-Dog. We love you so much. Well, tough to pick characters who are wholly good other than M-Dog here. So I think it's time for Dog Watch. It's time for Dog Watch. (laughs) It's time for Dog Watch. If my bay could be M Dog, it would totally be M Dog. <laughs> I love M Dog. I would die for M Dog. <laughs> I love him so much. But my real bay is going to be Pad Bay, mm-hmm. probably for the reasons you think. Yeah. I've never seen a woman in film or television hit her breaking point in a violent relationship and stand up for herself like Padme does. Mm -hmm. 
She's not an action hero. She's not a Jedi. She doesn't have special powers. She has little uncooked spaghetti noodle arms like the rest of us. She was not action Padme. In this she was not action Padme. She just had this flagrant self-respect. Mm-hmm. She calmly tells her violent husband, my happiness and my safety are more important than anything. Mm -hmm. Even loving you, even our marriage, my safety and self-respect are more important than what I have built with you. Mm, Yeah. Like how many, and and we'll make this a quick Baywatch because we're running short on time, but like how many times have we seen or shown young people in media a woman who's willing to give up everything for her man and accept anything for her man? I can't think of a similar example to what Padme did. I've never seen it. She reminded me what it is to be a courageous woman. So it's totally Padme. She is an inspiration to us all. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. If I could pick M Dog, I would. I know it's it's if, the so, M Dog show. <laughs> but but thinking of this as a movie, yeah, I, I'm envisioning in my head a Star Wars movie poster, and in the front you have Padme, and then looking at her defensively, Anakin, Clovis, off to the side you have Embo and M Dog, <laughs> the classic love triangle YA flick movie poster, looming over the other side, Count Dooku. Ooh, but then. In the background, looming over all of it, is Palpatine. In the distance, sirens. It's Palpatine. Yeah. Wait, what? Palpatine's my bay for this one. Palpatine is your bay. I believe this is his first time on Baywatch. I'm, in fact, I'm 100% sure. And it is because this plan, this plan moves so fluidly and gets the job done so thoroughly. He ratchets up. Padme's emotional state. He ratchets up Anakin's emotional state. He uses a cutout, a patsy. He uses Rush Clovis to do that. Oh, and by the way, I'm taking over the banks. Oh, and by the way, I've been funneling money to the separatists the whole time for Dooku. So Dooku is still able to persecute the war despite the fact that now I control the pocketbooks and can fund whoever I want. It's a masterstroke. The rest of the Clone Wars is basically epilogue at this point. In my studies of war, it does deeply come down to the logistical supply chain of when your forces run out of bullets or food or money, it's game. And it may take years for that game to play out, but it's game. This is the game. And Palpatine just executed it. He set up Anakin. He set up Padme, and he set up the Banks. He set up Dooku. It's all coming up Palpatine now. This is a very brave decision you have made. Yeah, well, I would have chosen M-Dog otherwise, <laughs> which wouldn't have been brave at all. Maybe we both should have chosen M-Dog. Honorary mention for M-Dog. I feel icky about putting Palpatine's name on I know, Baywatch. I know. I was, if anything... We are coming to the point where it starts to all get tied together again, mm. back to the very first season. And I'm remembering in the first season when I made Asajj Ventress Bay because she was good at running away. Mm. And that is the lesson that Palpatine has set up and internalized. He never gets into a fight. He, he doesn't even get his assets into fights where he hasn't already sacrificed them or hasn't already won what he wants for them mm. and what he wants for them. And what they want for themselves are different, but he controls what they want anyway. Mm-hmm. He is a terrifying villain. He's an absolutely terrifying villain. And this episode shows how and why. And if anything, this episode is the type of thing which rehabilitates the rise of Palpatine as the preeminent Sith Lord. Yeah. We- oh, he deserves it. Yeah. This this makes later works where you're like, how did some Sith become chancellor and yada, yada? Oh, some cool political machinations. Like, no, no. He is sitting here taking over banks in order to make one dude beat up another dude. That's the level of control Palpatine has. It's terrifying. It's so scary. It's a force of nature. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool. <laughs> and it's really cool. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Palp Watch. <laughs> 
Next week, we're doing a, uh, a palate cleanser. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, thank God. It's a Jar Jar arc. It's a Jar Jar arc. Yeah. Oh, it's been so long. We haven't seen him since Shadow Warrior. <gasps> Just in like season three, season four. Which was back in the fun times when we had the R2 and 3PO arc and just laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, so that'll be a fun one. It's a doubleheader, I believe. We are going to be doing the Disappeared arc. It is the Clone Wars Season 6, Episodes 8 and 9, the Disappeared Part 1 and Part 2. Well, that makes the that makes it real easy for us, doesn't I know, it? right? Yeah, <laughs> Why did you do this the whole time? That's our whole naming convention. I love this. So don't disappear. Join us next week for that. As always, you can find us on social at Growing Up Skywalker on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can catch this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And we are extremely grateful for our patrons for bringing us some new hardware, which hopefully sounds good. And as always, send this episode to someone who uh, knows when to be strong. Hmm. Or conniving. Yeah. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye.